0: Just because I talked about sex last time doesn't mean I'm going to talk about it tonight. Actually, I thought what I would talk about tonight is what I should have talked about last time, which is uh, sickness and illness and disease and (laughs) growing old and getting feeble, (laughs) dying. We have a wonderful woman who helps us take care of the house, occasionally take care of John. Guru Kudrit Kar Salsa. John calls her (laughs) Kudr. Cuts through all that right away. She's from the ashram. She was telling us that when she first joined the ashram, that uh, every time she saw Yogi Bhajan, he would stick out his tongue and he'd make the most horrible faces at her. And and she would look at this and, and then she would go into her meditation room and she'd meditate on what this meant. And then he would go back to L.A. or at one of his other ashrams and then he'd come back, he'd see her again and he'd stick out his tongue at her and he'd make even a more horrible face and do things like this and look at it ask herself what did it mean what did it mean she'd go back into her meditation room and she'd meditate on what did it mean and then she asked someone who'd known Yogi Bhajan for a long time what this meant he said he's just making a funny face at you so you'll laugh that's all it means I remember see i like i can see how much you want me to talk about sex so i'll i'll capitulate this this opening here i remember when my see my mother side of the family were all mds and my dad's side of the family were all christian scientists <laughs> this, this is a fact I, i'm not making this up It's why I was kicked out of Principia for healing at too young an age. (laughs) Principia is a school for Christian Science. That's a fact, too. But I remember, at the age of around 13, something like that, Dad took me into the den, and he said, Son? I said, Yes. I want you to know that playing with yourself does not cause blindness. And I thought, oh my God, he's a Christian scientist. It probably does cause blindness. You know, it never occurred to me that it caused blindness. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd seen this over and over again about him telling me things that weren't real. And now he was telling me this wasn't real. So I kept looking for all this blurring of vision. And stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> now we know that if someone is blind, that's not what it means. (laughs) Now, of course, there are all these very suspicious pimples and warts all over Richard Gundry. No, I'm just kidding. He's just... Splendid-looking man (laughs) (laughs)
1: When
0: we begin a spiritual path there's often this tyranny of health uh, and The tendency is for us to look at every flu, every accident, every single thing that happens and ask, what does it mean? What does it mean? I would like for you to repeat something after me, if you would. I will say it, and then you can repeat it. You'll feel such a sense of relief after you've said this. My illness doesn't mean anything. Let's all say that together. My illness doesn't mean anything. Somehow we think that we have to have this extraordinary uh, energy and health uh, in order to love God. When we start on a spiritual path, somehow we think we have to build super health and super energy. Possibly the two greatest healers of this century are Brother Mandis and Joel Goldsmith. I don't know a great deal about Brother Mandis, but I do know quite a bit about Joel Goldsmith. Walter Starkey was in town a couple of weeks ago, and I learned even more about Joel Goldsmith. Walter Starkey was Joel Goldsmith's right-hand man. Joel Goldsmith, one of the great, great healers, had to put uh, this, you know, that white stuff that we used to have to wear to keep from getting sunburned. He had to goop this all over himself. Joe Goldsmith had to wear glasses. Joe Goldsmith got headaches. Joe Goldsmith had indigestion. And yay, Gold! Joe Goldsmith was too fat. Yay! <laughs> Mary Baker Eddy. Mary Baker Eddy, indeed, one of the the great, great healers of the century before. Mary Baker Eddy had to wear glasses. Mary Baker Eddy used to take injections of an opiate to relieve her pain. Good health is not a reward for a spiritual path. I wonder if you'll dare to say that with me. Good health is not a reward for a spiritual path. Why is that? Because health is not an attribute of God. Health is a physical condition. And it's a physical condition that we've become absolutely preoccupied with as a nation. And this is spilling over into other parts of the world. Now, you can go into almost any major city and you'll see people in their uh, crushed, velvet, poochy jogging suits <laughs> picking out uh, crackers and sardines. And No, no, they're not. Excuse me. They're not picking that out. They're picking out Perrier and they're picking out uh, the, uh, the sugarless cola. Everybody's now come out with with caffeine free cola. Sugarless cola, so forth. Are are there are there lovely Dior uh, and cute little tennis things? You see, and you see them walking up and down uh, the sidewalks and in the thing. Now, the thing is, it notice that the makeup's perfect, the hairs—they didn't come off of a tennis court. You see, what what's happening now is that that now we've got to be very healthy, healthier than thou, with rosy cheeks and sparkling eyes, and we've we've got to move around, you see, and we've got to dress as if health is our major preoccupation. Now, this kind of super health has nothing to do with spirituality, and if you like doing that, then that's terrific, because happiness has everything to do with loving God and arriving home. So if you love jogging, jogging is part of your way home. If you love uh, going to the spa, that's part of your way home. If you love trying out the diet of the month, then that's part of your way home. Go ahead and eat the yucca plant. Whatever it is, you see? If it makes you happy, if it makes your heart sing, then that's part of your way home. But of course it has nothing to do with with truth, because truth has nothing to do with physical health. And it is not necessary for us to concern ourselves with our health unless it becomes a distraction. If it becomes a distraction then we should do something about it so that we can can turn our mind back to God. Now, some of you extra crazy people who come over to the Dispensable Church have heard me talk about the ego as a dog that we take on a walk. So here we are walking home. We have been told that this is indeed a very easy and very lovely path. We have been told that the landscape will grow brighter as we go along. And we have our little imaginary identity, which we call the ego, this little shabby self-image, always getting in trouble. What are we to do with the ego? Well, we're not to do anything with it, It's it's just coming along on the walk, it it runs around and sniffs things that we wouldn't sniff and it
1: <laughs>
0: and it gets in you know it gets in big big trouble with the uh, the boxer that that our neighbor bought or the pit bull you see it goes over there and it starts barking at the pit bull now what do we do when it starts barking at the pit bull well all we do is we uh well, possibly we walk over to our fire hydrant and we say, Look at the fire hydrant! Look at the fire hydrant! You see, we distract its attention. Get over there, you see. Or we pick up a stick and we throw it and let it run after All you have to do with the ego is to realize that it's not going to be anything else but an ego forever and forever and forever until it gently fades away. So that means that you don't have to be anything else but sick if you find yourself sick. Now I'll get to healing in just a minute. But the first step is that if you're sick, let yourself be sick. Let your ego be sick in peace. Let your ego hate in peace. Let your ego be anxious in peace. Let it be jealous in peace. It's just sniffing this little pile and that little pile and so forth. That's all that's happening. There's nothing to do about it. What the problem is, is when we, we get caught up in what it's doing. And we go over and we try to fight against the pit bull also. Now, when we do that, we stop our walk. This lovely walk that we're taking in God's light. And There's all this beauty that surrounds us. Can I take this off? Okay. That's all that's happening with every brother and sister on this earth. We are walking gently home, and the only thing that stops our walk, the only thing that delays our way home, is when we look over at our ego. We get all caught up in whatever it's going through. And remember, it's always going through something. There's always some little or big crisis and this never will stop. We look over it and we get caught up and, and then we stop the walk. So one of the things that we can learn that will make our way so much easier is learning how to distract the ego, just like you do a little child. A little child gets interested in turning on the, the propane. Of course, to, uh, to, to, you know, to save energy, we've all done away with our pilot lights. And so now turning on the propane means up goes the house, you see. So we want to do something to distract the child. Very, very young child. Can't beat the child up because he doesn't understand yet what he's doing, you see. Give it a few years and we can beat it up.
1: <laughs>
0: but at the moment we can't do that, you see. So we, we distract it. You see. we get out a little toy, we point something. If it gets real unhappy about the fact that it can't go out with Mommy and Daddy you know on this one this particular night or something, we distract it out of kindness. and that's all we need to do to our ego. We don't need to get we don't need to fight it. We don't need to humiliate it. We don't need to flee f- from it. We just distracted. And that means we just look over at our ego, where all the unhappiness is coming from, and we just do whatever is necessary to, to allow it to be happy. Now, one of the things that the ego gets unhappy about are very simple bodily needs. So, it may be that we we haven't gotten caught up in this building of of super-health, which has become all-consuming. Possibly that's not the distraction, but maybe it's that we don't think we ought to be sleepy, Uh, that that we're not very spiritual because we're sleeping nine hours every night, and Mother Teresa only sleeps five. Incidentally, I don't know how much Mother Teresa sleeps. <laughs> Certainly she must. She couldn't sleep over five, right? She's so spiritual. Mother Teresa is indeed spiritual, but her spirituality, of course, would have nothing to do with how much she's sleeping at night. So if the body is sleepy, that's the little dog. If the body's sleepy, you let it sleep. It doesn't have to become a great big war about this thing. If you need to take a nap, you take a nap. Ah, what if you get an itch? What if you get an itch? Well, even cows know what to do if they get an itch. They'll go over and rub up against a tree or they'll rub up against a barbed wire fence or something. And they'll scratch. It. What do we do when we're on a spiritual path? What does the itch mean? Oh, it's located there. Hmm, aha. Then we start making this whole tremendous issue. And what happens when we do that is we stop our walk toward God. It is not possible to be involved in the world, which means to be involved with the ego and not get sick. This is so important to understand. It doesn't matter what problems the ego has. And we're so used to judging each other by the kinds of problems that we have, thinking that some problems are more spiritual than others. All egos have problems. And it is impossible to be caught up in this world as all of us in this room are to some degree, and not occasionally get sick. That is the nature of the collective ego. So there's this, there's sort of this grand shooting of dice, and certain people are prone to flu, and certain people are prone to backaches, and certain people are prone to sprain their ankles, and Certain people are prone to losing their hair. Certain people are prone to uh, myopia. And certain people are prone to diarrhea. And and certain people are... It's like there's this huge bag of confetti and it's just been thrown out. And some of it's landed on you. You see? Because you're just like me and we're still somewhat caught up with the ego. So you're going to get... Sick, everyone. It doesn't have any meaning. That doesn't mean there is anything you can't do about it. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But you don't have to assume that this has some huge significance, and you don't have to torture yourself. One of the things that I've noticed about people on a spiritual path is they not only get sick, but they add the pain of analysis to it, <laughs> and the analysis is far more painful then whatever it is they're going through. Haven't you seen this happen time and time again? I mean, they just simply have gotten a cold. Or or they simply uh, burned their finger when they're moving the pen. Now, it could be very simple. Just go put a little ice on the finger, something like that. But, oh, no. We have to go have our chart read. We've got to have our uh, our oral balanced. We have to have uh, certain places on our foot pressed. All of which are very fine things. I'm not talking about that. But what I'm saying is it it doesn't have, we don't have to get caught up in this huge significance. Just, you see how easily uh, Richard did the glasses. Okay, his glasses broke. He just laughed about it and that was it. It can really be that simple. So glad that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Now why is this? Why is it not possible to be caught up in this world and not be sick? Because the ego's great love is illness and sickness. There's no question about this. As you're checking out your groceries next time, just glance over at the National Enquirer. They just discovered uh, that jello eliminates six forms of cancer, uh, pays off your bills, and uh, eliminates dandruff. I mean, you know, whatever it is, you you see this in all the magazines. Time Magazine. Dear Time Magazine, did you notice a few weeks ago that Time Magazine discovered salt? said, Salt, the new villain. Next, uh, in a year from now, they'll they'll discover the sun. (laughs) Strange clouding of the skin takes place when rays from outer space impact with the dermis. come up with this, you see. They'll discover suntans. And then the year after that, it'll be puberty. Puberty. They'll, they'll suddenly notice puberty. They'll have a story about a, about a young boy going into the uh, bathroom, looking in the mirror, and calling out, Mommy, there are little bitty hairs growing out of my face. So it doesn't matter whether you have a magazine that, that's 15 years behind time, you see, or you have one that's way ahead, that they've already jumped to jello, you see. <laughs> Doesn't matter how the preoccupation, pick up any magazine, pick up any newspaper, go to almost any movie, watch almost any uh, play on television, overhear almost any conversation at any party. And the thing that you will hear talked about more than any other subject is sickness and illness, and especially, why do you think Mary Jo got cavities? (laughs) Did you know that her last checkup, her mouth was riddled with cavities? What does this mean? You say. We talk about other people's illnesses. Why is so-and-so sick? What's happening over there? What do they need to do? Now that, of course, is just our ego. Our ego is preoccupied with illness, sickness unto death, death being the ultimate reward. You see, everything leading to that. So if we are caught up to any degree in the ego, we're going to be caught up in the ego's great love. And if we are fascinated, if we're having this love affair along with the whole world with uh, deaths and young deaths and uh, people suddenly becoming paralytic and, and all the things that happen, if we're caught up in that, then we're going to share in that to some degree. There is really only one way out and we all know this. I realize I'm not saying anything that anyone here doesn't already know. And that is to lose interest in this love affair. Now that's done gradually. There's nothing to do about the love affair except just to notice that it's going on. To notice that we indeed like talking about great illnesses at the party too what's causing it, making all kinds of connections, and so forth. We like that. What happens is that as we begin to lose our interest in this love affair, then we also lose interest in either being sick or in judging other people for their illnesses. That's the two primary ways that it takes place. We want to be sick. We want to take place in this because we want to be a part of the ego. We want to be a part of the world. And so we do, in fact, choose to be sick in various forms. Fortunately, no one's getting hurt by this. It looks like everybody's getting hurt. It looks like everybody's being crushed and devastated. But because most of you are on a spiritual path, you know that that, in fact, is not happening. That's quite clear. It appears that people are getting very, very hurt from all this craziness. But we begin to realize that that, in fact, is not going on. I don't have to go into all that, because either you have already seen that, or you haven't yet seen it. So it's all quite harmless. There's nothing to do about it. You don't need to point this error out to other people. But we will be doing that, or we'll be doing the other thing, and that is judging people for their their sicknesses. Now, as we lose interest in the love affair, then everything about the ego begins to fade. So you can have someone like Mother Teresa, for example, who works with people who have every kind of disease imaginable, the worst diseases in the world, ones that, that, are, that have been eliminated from this part of the world, coming in contact handling these people picking them up bending over breathing and breathing in their breath day after day year after year of course she never gets the illness simply because she has lost her interest in this love affair that's going to happen to each and every one of us and there's nothing to do to speed it except just to notice that we still are kind of morbidly interested in this, kind, this subject, that we we're partaking of it. And if you wish, you can say, I'm losing interest in getting sick. I'm losing interest in why so-and-so has back problems. I'm losing interest in what causes arthritis. Because we all know that there are a thousand cures for everything. Any illness that you come up with, you will find a thousand different reasons as to why it's happening. Now, that does not mean, of course, that there isn't a wall behind each illness. There is, in fact, a wall behind each illness. It has nothing to do with God's law because God's law is universal. It comforts and caresses every living thing. But the law of the ego is like the law within dreams. Maybe uh, most of you here have had at one time or another a, a flying dream. Maybe more than one flying dream. Now there's a law to the flying in your dream. Maybe you have to flap your hands a certain way. Maybe you have to get up a certain speed. Maybe you have to eat your spinach first. Something, I don't know. But if you remember, if you'll think back, Maybe you couldn't get off the ground very quickly when you were flying. Or maybe you had another dream and and there were certain objects that you could go through. Or maybe you could transport yourself from one place to another. There are all kinds of crazy things that go on in dreams. We know this. But within the dream, it's not crazy. There are actual laws that govern the phenomenon, even if it's only occurring to us. And within the dream, we know the laws that govern it or at least we have a sense that they are acting, and that we are subject to them. So, of course, there's a law behind polio. There's a law behind the plague. And many of the diseases that we've had, the laws have been discovered. That doesn't mean that there is a reliable cure the law has been discovered, then there are other diseases in which the law has not yet been discovered. Now, the reason this has nothing to do with real law is that there is a different law for every disease, and the law itself is rather unstable. It can actually change over a period of time. And even once you discover the law, it doesn't mean that you've really uh, improved your situation. Very much. Sometimes you appear to improve your situation and sometimes you don't. Let's take for example what's happening with polio now. The vaccine is now causing more cases of polio than the disease and antibiotics. There's all these side effects, there are all these ramifications. So there is no simple act within the world. And this this is why, no matter what the illness, we can find innumerable cures, because each cure is trying to avoid the ramifications of the other cure. However, for the sake of simplicity, it is good for people on a spiritual path to face the facts that within this world, there is a law behind each disease. Now, you may not want to deal directly with that law, but it doesn't hurt to look at look that fact in the face. So, for example, there are certain ailments that are caused by bacteria. There are certain drugs that kill the bacteria. You may choose not to take them, but it is a simple fact. And it may be, you may simply want to go out and get the drug that kills the bacteria because that's the way that particular uh, disease operates. I'm not advising that. I'm saying that we must look directly at this world. We can't do some sort of dishonest shuffling of the mind and live in simplicity and truth. Because all we're trying to do, really, is to practice happiness To be gentle and kind to each other and to walk the way of peace. And for the sake of simplicity, we should look directly at the fact that if we are tired, maybe we need to sleep. We've got an itch, maybe we need to scratch. If we're hungry, maybe we need some food and so forth. So let's look at a few things that we can do when we find ourselves sick. I'd just like to go through two or three very simple things. The first rule is do not fight your body. And this is a mistake that most people on the spiritual path make. Is they think that something is happening in their body that indicates a deep failure on their part. So we find ourselves very confused as to why there was this accident. Why did we have this car accident? Why uh, is it that uh, when we wake up in the morning there's this swelling in our joints? Whatever it may be. Why is it that uh, we're short of breath when we when we walk. We used to could walk this distance and we weren't short of breath. Whatever it may be, whatever form of distress it may be, we used not to get cavities, now we're getting cavities, whatever it may be. The first thing to do is not fight the body, just look at what the body is doing. So we just look at it calmly and we don't try to stop its activity. We don't try to force it into another form of behavior. Just let it be whatever it is at the moment. That is the first key to peace. As a matter of fact, it is the first rule of healing that we are not afraid of this world. So a broader application of this same point is that we just look at our life. Now, Probably most of the people in this room are through with crises in their relationships. But we all went through a time in which there was just one drama after another, one blow-up after another. Why did she say that? Why wasn't I invited to that? Why did this is this, all this, this, this thing, you know. And then we call people up and we confront them, and then we lose this friend, we lose that friend. And we, You know, and all, (laughs) we didn't, we we all went through that. Now, the first inkling of sanity probably was we just looked at our relationships. We realized that we were running through friends at a very rapid rate. (laughs) And we decided to cool it. We decided that maybe it would be all right to get along with people. Maybe we could just let our friends be the way they were. Maybe we didn't have to change them or judge them or confront them or let them know every negative thought that happened to fl- flit through our mind. You know, here we are at lunch and some negative thing, we catch it and immediately, you know, we have to say it. it doesn't ha- There are other things in our mind besides the little negative thoughts that are going on. Those aren't the only things that have to be spoken, Well we saw that. The day came in which we saw that. And arrest began to cover our relationships. And we realized that our old friends weren't so bad after all. No, they didn't study Ernest Holmes and they didn't throw the I Ching, and they weren't they didn't consider themselves one of the twelve people of astrology or all that they did though was make us happy. All they did was love us. All they did is uh, help us out if we, if we got in a the jam. They didn't know the great spiritual truths and they didn't talk funny. You know, they didn't uh, do things like say, uh, uh, God told me that I was supposed to borrow your typewriter. <laughs> There's a woman in the audience that this actually happened to someone called her up and said god told me i was supposed to borrow your typewriter this person started out to get the typewriter halfway there she went into a phone booth and she called this woman and said god has told me i'm not supposed to borrow your typewriter and the poor woman was thinking oh god is is it bad vibes what's wrong with my typewriter you see so our old friends don't talk funny, you see. They don't use words like uh, guidance and putting it out there and all this stuff, which are perfectly fine terms, but it doesn't mean that we have to reject our old friends because they don't talk that way. We can see the love and the tenderness. We can see how they for- forgive us for going through this and that stage. Because haven't we all done that? How many stages have we all gone through? How many systems has we, have we espoused? And aren't there some dear, sweet people that have just forgiven us all this? You see? So, the first step to physical health is, of course, the same thing. And that is, we just look at our body, we see what it's doing, we forgive it. Our, our thighs are a little chubby. Maybe they flap together when we walk. <laughs> It's okay. Maybe we will not take our shoes off in the spa. There's anyone within eight feet because of this little odor problem. But since we're on a spiritual path, we will not buy odor eaters. This has got to be worked out in some sort of metaphysical way, you see. So the first step to health is to forgive our body. We just look at it and we say, well, that's just the way it is. And, you know, and X number of people lose their hair. And X number of people um, get little funny growths during the winter. And then you go out there, you know, you got little uh, winglets of hair on your shoulder. And you didn't have them and so embarrassing and so forth. The, you know, and well, you know so, how. <laughs> you can see I'm not preoccupied about it. So, so we just forgive it. That's the first step. Just look at it, look at it, just like you look at your friends, and you suddenly realize, gosh, they're not bad at all. You see, just like you look at Santa Fe, Yeah, they switch lanes right in front of you. <laughs> chuck hole city you know where does the money go if somebody doesn't go to fill the chuck holes we know that but did you notice how overnight somebody in the government got this deal on these little bumps that they put in the road did you notice how those disappeared overnight everywhere with the little white bumps all over the night you know we was big time city some salesman came into town and I don't don't even know when they did it. Now when you cross lanes, you go bump, 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 bump. But of course people still cross lanes in front of you. All right. I know you were divinely directed to come to Santa Fe. I understand that. You woke one night and you had this vision. I said... And then, the next day, there were 12 signs. <laughs> they came one after the other.
1: Now, I understand that. We
0: all got there that way. That does not mean that Santa Fe is a perfect city. It's just Santa Fe. That's all. So, just because you find yourself in this body, just because you find yourself in this body, doesn't mean that it's supposed to be some shining example of whatever the current definition of health and beauty are. We all know that the definition of health and beauty changes every 10, 20, 50 years. All you have to do is pick up any art book and you can see what used to be beautiful. It isn't beautiful anymore. All the same things. Just look at your body. You've got the body you've got. It's okay, it'll do the job. It can love, it can give comfort. It can reach out, lift distress from someone. It's a perfect vehicle to extend love, God's love. You couldn't have a better vehicle for that. You may not be invited to uh, show the clothes of the Santa Fe look, you see, You may not be invited to do that because the East has now discovered the Santa Fe look, But that, that doesn't matter, does it? That's not what we're here for. Now, the next thing is to notice your thoughts. Just notice your thoughts and your feelings and your actions. So now you've noticed your body. Just look at, let's do that just for a second. Just for a minute. Close your eyes. Let's just do that first step. Now I want you to just step away from your body. If your eyes closed, I'm not talking astrally. Just step away from your body for a moment and look at your body. Just look at your body. Look at this this little thing. This little harmless thing that seems to have been such a source of uh, drama and pain and endless speculation and war after war after war. This little harmless thing. You can do so much with it. Notice. You've got a hand that can reach out. You've got a voice that can call someone on the phone who hasn't heard from you or isn't expecting a call. You've got fingers that can write a letter and bring joy to someone. You've got feet that can go into a store and buy a little gift, someone who wasn't even expecting it. You've got lips that can smile it's someone who is so obviously depressed as they go down the street, and you just happen to look over and smile at them. See what a vehicle of kindness and gentleness. See what comfort and rest that little harmless body can bring. It doesn't have to be a battlefield. Okay, joking, guys. Now, the ego, of course, has a body. Alright, so there we have the body. Now, the ego also has a mind. There's the ego mind. It has ego thoughts. So, we were talking about hate and peace, be anxious and peace, and so forth. So, you just notice your ego mind. You just notice that your ego is, is always upset about something. You notice that your ego is always scanning. Uh, the events of your life and uh, everything else critically. It's seeking problem after problem after problem. And now you have this illness. Now just notice the thoughts that you have about the illness. Notice what effect the thoughts have on how you feel. Just notice it. Notice that if you think along a certain line... It brings a little comfort to you. Notice if you think another, along other lines, that the pain that you are in, the symptoms, are exacerbated. Now there's nothing to do about this. You see, this is the thing that we all know, but we forget so quickly. There's nothing more to do about this than to notice it. Because once you notice, that a certain line of thought makes you comfortable and happy, you will turn more and more to that line of thought. You don't have to force yourself to do it. If you force yourself to do it, you aren't turning to the line of thought. You're turning to force. If you have some sense of duty about the kinds of thoughts that you're supposed to think if this is some new imposition, where is the peace? Where is the love? Where is the walk to God in that? There isn't any. So just notice your thoughts when you are sick. And they will correct themselves because noticing is peaceful and gentle. Notice your actions. Just notice what results. Notice if you drink the coffee before you go to sleep, you stay awake. Just notice that. There's anything to do about it. You don't have to get in a big war about this or anything. Just notice that. Notice what's been helpful in the past. Has a particular thing been helpful in this with this illness? And allow yourself to Do whatever it is that will bring comfort to your body. Why? Because the point is to walk toward God. The point is to allow your your mind to sing and your eyes to sparkle. My burden is light. My way is light. My way is easy, said Jesus. Jesus. If it's not easy for you, then you're just making a little mistake. That's all. See how it can be easy. Notice how Jesus healed. One one person, he he takes some mud, makes a little pack, puts over their eyes. Another person, he heals from a distance. The centurion, you know, came to him. heals the person from a distance. Another person, he, he tells them, well, now you go over here and you bathe in this little pool and you do the da-da-da. Another person, he just says, well, why don't you just stand up and do this? But you know, there wasn't, any, there wasn't any rule about this. He just simply brought comfort. Bring comfort to yourself. Do the thing that will allow you to lift your mind from your body and, re- and return to your walk toward God. Now the simple rule as to what to do when you get sick can be summarized like this. Uh, at the dispensable church, we have calls, called this the, the silver rule, honoring Santa Fe's great love of silver. So we could have called it the turquoise rule, but you know. Pause in peace, then act with assurance. I don't know if you'd say that with me, pause in oh, peace. peace then act with assurance. So always, when you become distracted, and if you become distracted by illness, let your first reaction be to simply be still. Just allow your mind to be quiet. And ask yourself, in this quietness, what do you want to do about this? Now, your ego can't stand the simplicity. It wants you to go out and seek a thousand different remedies. And we've all done this. There is no end to the remedies. Everybody's got a different theory. And it's so obvious that one works for one person and another works for another. Nobody has found the thing that works for everybody the chances are almost perfect that you already know the thing that will bring comfort to your body. This may sound a little scary, but I can assure you of this from experience. Do not worry about curing the illness. Just make yourself comfortable now. So this means you do not have to worry about the ramifications of this particular thing. If something in your moment of peace when you've turned to God and you've relaxed and you've turned it all over to infinite mind or divine love or universal spirit or whatever you term you have for God, your, your inner self, your, your, your inner teacher, inner physician, Whatever term or words you have or sense you have, when you've turned it over to your resource of strength, trust what comes to you during that moment. It will be very simple. Now, immediately, of course, the ego will jump in and say, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. It may lead to this, and it may lead to that. Now, if you listen to this, you will go trotting off on this endless road of of cures, Cure after cure after cure after cure. Just take the simple thing that comes to your mind and do it. Do it quickly and do it gently so you can return to walking toward God because nothing else has any meaning. In that sense, the illness doesn't have any meaning except that it delays our walk toward God. It has no more meaning than that. If you want to know what your illness means, It means only that the ego has held it up to attract your attention, and all you want to do is lose interest in it, and do whatever you need to do to lose interest in it, which means to put it in its place, to allow it to no longer be a distraction. And using mental means to heal. And of course, it is only mental means that heal. All of us in the healing profession, there are a number of you here, all of us have surely learned this one fact by now. We heal someone when they have decided to let go of the illness. There's no mystery as to why healing takes place. I don't care what the means are. It takes place when the individual has decided they have no more use for this in their life. Now, when they have made that decision, you can throw them a banana and it'll heal them. (laughs) But they haven't come to you to have a banana thrown at them. That's very important, remember. They came to you because you are a very good massage therapist, or you're very good at reading charts, or you're very good at at, uh, insights into past lives, or you're very good at suggesting changes in the individual's life, or you're very good at prescribing herbs. Whatever it may be. That's why they've come to you. Because you can create the atmosphere in which they will say, okay, I will lay down my own. So that's why they've come to you. So don't give up your your atmosphere, whatever it may be. Whatever atmosphere you create, that's why the people who are coming to you are coming to you. Even though you and I secretly know it has nothing to do with the charts or the past. Uh, Gail, my wife Gail, has uh, allergies. Has loved the fact that all these people have come to New Mexico to get rid of their allergies. It's <laughs> Got more allergies than any place in the world. No one knows that, see. So, this was, this was in the early days when Gail and I were Reading every magazine and doing everything, you know, trying to build super health and find magic cures and on and on and on. And Gail went to a a man who could tell her about past lives. She went to, went to this man and, and uh, said, I've got allergies. And the man did whatever he did. I forget what he did. Came up with the answer. you were a compulsive harpist with anorexia nervosa. <laughs> it's a fact. I'm telling you a fact. This is, what, this is what he found that she was in her past life. And this is what was causing the allergies. Now, if that atmosphere had been the right atmosphere for Gail, then the allergies would have gone away. But it wasn't, he says to understand the connection. And, and, <laughs> and exactly. So continue. Whatever you're doing, continue. Because it's a kindness. It's a charity. It lifts the pain. And if you decide to use mental means to heal yourself and others, let me just point out one fact that goes along with everything we've been talking about tonight. Heal your mind and not your body. Heal your mind and not the other person's body. So if you're going to use the science of mind approach or any other mental approach to healing, remember that your goal is the peace of God and not changing bodies. And healing can become so simple if you will do this one thing. If you will look at your mind and see if it is a place of light. And if it's not, if there is some dark or painful or frantic image in it, if you've heard about this poor person over here who's dying of, dying of cancer, who feels deserted and no one's visiting them, and if this has come into your thought, if someone has said this to you, you now have a little dark dancing skeleton in your mind. Heal the skeleton. But don't go run over and see if the person has gotten out of their bed. Because if you do that, now you've gotten caught up in changing the world rather than walking toward God. Just heal the image. Turn the image from a slaughterhouse into a garden. Change the image from an image of pain to an image that will bring you comfort and relief. And do the same thing with yourself. Take whatever part of your body that seems to be distressing you. and If you want to use mental means, heal the image. Don't look to see if the, the body is healed. Just look to see if your mind sings. And if you will practice this kind of healing, there isn't anyone you cannot heal. As you go around the plaza and someone passes you, and they are obviously in some sort of distress, heal them as you walk by but do not turn around to see if they've thrown down their crutches or whatever else you see just allow your mind to sing now when you do that god has entered your mind and your mind whether you know it or not is absolutely joined with this person that you've heard of that's in distress or this person who crosses your path it is interwoven You cannot accept the peace of God without it transferring to this individual. And it will have its effect in a very deep way, even if there is no physical change. So be a healer. Be a simple, straightforward healer. Because a healer is simply someone who lays down every distraction that keeps him from walking into the heart of God.